you remember the movie Defending Your Life? Yes. One of my favorite movies, by the way. But you remember they rolled the videotape of their lives and they were analyzing it? There's so many times where I wish I could get that surveillance camera yeah. or that film and go, okay. I even asked one of the people working at the bowling alley last night, any chance these sec- do you have security cameras in here? And she goes, I don't think so. <laughs> oh, well, that's good knowledge. I'll start uh, yeah. doing she, things in the bowling alley. She said, well, I'm pretty sure not down here where the bowlers are. That sounded creepy, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, well, that's not going to help. Welcome to the Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs podcast, where we inspire you to manage your money, find your soul, and cover your ears. Join host Hartley Wright, a certified spiritual director, and Kevin Bartolacci, director of research and education at Sunvold Financial Investment Advisory Firm. Together, they hope to help you discover the benefits of enriching your life as they entertain one another, and hopefully you too. Such a such catchy theme music, don't you think? It really is. I mean, it's really hard not to just get in a whatever mood you're in before you begin to listen. I would think this could help improve that that mood. I can't. I mean, it's kind of catchy. Yeah. I don't know though. Maybe uh, you know there there might be some wisdom in changing themes as we move along, or well, when we rebrand, we can do that. Yeah, when we. When we rebrand. That's right. How are you doing today? I'm okay. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay, listener, welcome. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that wasn't as that's enthusiastic a, as you were hoping for. No, that's all right. It's totally fine. It's totally well, it's quite, quite rainy, all right. It's cloudy, and spring training baseball is starting to drag on. Because you're not a basketball fan, that's affecting your mood today. Yeah, March Madness doesn't really yeah. get me all revved up. Missouri just won their first round game 24 minutes ago. So, so here's my spring training issue. We have the World Baseball Classic going on simultaneously. So I look at the lineup of my team, and there's no Bryce Harper. There's no JT Real Muto. There's no Kyle Schwarber. There's no Trey Turner. So you see a whole bunch of people in the lineup that have no chance of making the roster. Pitching staff's the same way. I saw a game the other day. I saw the box score. I didn't even watch the game. Yeah, we're two weeks away from opening day, and we're missing four of our superstar offensive players. So it's kind of a drag. It's like, yeah. yeah. It sort of sucks to be you right now. Who's this guy? It really does. Yeah. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, let's not focus on that. I've never used that phrase. I've heard it quite sucks a lot to be in my you. life. Yeah. And it's not popular anymore. We're not going to be in with the young crowd. You know, our listener base is probably – not many young people. If you and I were to talk about music right now, we'd focus on 70s music and maybe some 80s music, and we'd hit some 90s and 2000s, but... You would. I would. If we were to gain younger listeners, do we need to be, you know, cool? Is cool... Well, cool isn't the word anymore. I still think that even the younger crowd wants authenticity. And we provide that. Certainly our content is applicable to any age listener. Kevin had a bowling ball that came up missing. Oh, no! Someone took home a ball that wasn't theirs. So I calmly approached the two people I thought most likely to have taken it last night when they came in the building. 
first was the father. He apparently didn't take any balls home. So the eight balls that were taken home by the father-son duo have all been taken home by the son. He uh, has no clue. He calls his son. Kenny shows up at the bowling alley. He comes and finds me, and he starts showing me pictures of bowling balls that he took home. None of them are mine. And apparently I was wrong. So now I, I just really, it's mind-boggling. I have no clue where a ball ends up. That is so wild. No one has any idea where it is. That is so wild. So now I have no freaking clue where a ball is, and neither does anybody else. So I guess I'm resigned to the fact I'm never going to see it again. But it's so weird. I mean, it just does, it's not going to disappear. Well, it did disappear. I said I was just trying to get through this season with it before I replaced it. Well, you almost made it. Three weeks short. Yeah. But now it's just like, where is it? Now I really want to know. Yeah. Let's let's camp here for a minute and talk about that phenomena of when something just totally disappears. Missing socks that miss in the laundry. Yeah. I think everyone can relate oh, absolutely. to socks yeah. missing, yeah. going missing and wondering where they have gone. I only buy two or three brands of socks, so they're all identifiable by the markings that are on the sock. When I purchase a certain pair of Nike socks, Nike themselves have marked right and left. Look at this. There you go. I just took off a shoe. And I showed Hartley my right foot, which has an R on it. Yeah. These are not Nikes. These are called features. I blogged about them last year. So I don't keep those together. I just make sure I have a right and a left to make a pair. Yeah. You understand what I'm saying? They could be from two different sets, but right. for me, I just make sure I have a, a right and a left. Right. So when I cleaned out my sock drawer, not that long ago, I just matched them up by the pair. And so I had them totally even. And when I did this, that's just the way it stayed for probably a couple of months. And then one day, one laundry cycle, there a half of a pair is missing. That's not that big a deal because you think, well, maybe one's under the bed or one fell behind the laundry basket or maybe it's in the other. In you between know, maybe the it's two in appliances. The, it's in the hamper. So you wait for another cycle. The first two that came up as singles were both Nikes and they were both the same, like right and a right. And so now I have three or four. I got a sock story for you as well. I have, I think, seven different pair of these right-left sock combos. I don't remember if it's right or left now. One of them was gone. Gone for months. Mm-hmm. So this one sock sits on top of the dresser waiting for the mate to show up. I rotate some T-shirts in my drawer to make sure I wear one that I haven't worn for a long time. Mm-hmm. I pop it out. The sock comes out of the shirt. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I thought, wow, when was the last time I wore that shirt? <laughs> it must have been months ago. There was my missing sock. That has not happened with my bowling ball. Well, hallelujah that you found it. Yeah. Because I have not found, I think i am got like maybe three single socks that oh, are not cow. from the same pair. What happens to them? I'm, I know, I'm carefully watching laundry. It's only Kelly and I. I can honestly say, it's not an unreasonable statement to say that I do the laundry most. I'm kind of controlling laundry, and I'll be damned, I don't know where these things are going. I don't know where the socks have gone. I cannot figure it out. But there have been significant items over the course of my lifetime that have just gone missing. Like, I, it, it's in one spot, and then it is not there, and when I do an exhaustive search, they are gone. This thing I was looking for a couple of weeks ago, a phone book that Kelly she had me search for when I found the sign that I talked about in the in the previous episode. I don't know where that is. I don't know where that's gone. Well, we can't find either one of the kids' baby books. Looked everywhere. Yeah, so now, so see, that's a, that's a big major thing. That's not something you're just going to be careless about. Nope. It's Wouldn't not, think so. Yeah, it's not something you're not going to be mindful about. And so where, do, where does that go? I have no idea. 
What, what happens to them? I got no clue. Yeah, it's a phenomenon. And Initially, it was like, oh, it's around here somewhere. We just not looked in the right place. And then at one point, I'm like, you know what? I got some time to kill. I'm going to look in every single box in this house, every single drawer, uh-huh. bedrooms, armoires, everything. Couldn't find it. Neither baby book is to be found. I have some things from my childhood that I kept as keepsakes that are now no longer around. I don't know what's happened to those. It's not like you live in a space where there's hundreds of people that come through and anything right. could happen. Right. This week's theme may bring us to the hardest, deepest places of Lent season because we're focusing on things and Lent being a season of self-examination and a time to return to God or come to God. Confession is part of that. This week's theme for Lent has to do with prayer. I also like to think about it as confession. All of us, anyone, no matter who we are, we can be especially tempted to hide our wrongdoings. The temptation to be silent about our sin and the power of the practice of confession that can be very, very strong. If I were to just say, hey, this week's theme has to do with confession, then it's translated as this. Well, this week's temptation, it's the hardest, deepest place of Lent because my temptation is to be silent about my sin and the power of the practice of confession. I really don't want to get into that. And so there's a question of how can we incorporate confession into our life carefully, lovingly, honestly. I can talk about when I first felt called to this practice. And it was in one of my first times of extended silence and solitude where I had like four hours. I was part of a retreat setting. I went out and spent some time in silence and I'm just saying, okay, self-examination is what I need to do. So I'm going to start examining my life. I started examining my life and identifying all kinds of sin. I grew up in the Baptist faith, and I grew up in the Southern Baptist faith, so that's even worse. <laughs> what do you mean by worse? It's just, it's just. Oh, I don't want to define that. Okay. There's probably some Southern Baptist. Uh, there's probably a Southern Baptist listener. Not anymore. Uh, yeah, not now. Lost that one. Being raised Baptist, I can't just think of sin and think about God's activity in my life and where am I now and. What other experiences came along uh, alongside that? I'm only focusing on negative. I'm doing self-examination, only focusing on negative, only focusing on self, because I'm kind of new at this. I've been a person who has a relationship with God my entire life, but yet here I am a, a grown man. I think I'm in my thir- thir- late 30s, finally coming to terms with this, and I'm thinking, oh my God, I don't know. I'm only thinking of negative. I start to deal with a lot of shame. I'm on this huge campus with a huge lake. I take a walk around this lake. I take another walk around the lake. I camp out. I sit in the woods. I move from the woods to a place that's by a really serene, beautiful spot in the lake where you can really connect with God. I'm having trouble connecting with God. That's all I'm supposed to be doing. I can't do it. Part of it is I can't get myself to be silent enough. This may be one reason why I talk about silence so much as being so important. So some of it was I couldn't get the noise of my own life to settle down. Right. I just couldn't get the, the noise of my past failures and things that I wasn't proud of, sinful patterns and negative behaviors. Most importantly, I just couldn't focus on God. Like I did not have the capability. I didn't have the understanding. I probably had the knowledge, but I didn't put it into practice of saying, hey, all I really need to do right here is be silent and connect with God. I'm out there for four hours and all I'm doing is panicking about my life because the more I try to pray, the more I don't feel God's connection. So I'm frustrated because nothing is happening. Nothing seems to be happening. But my four hours is at an end. So I'm walking back toward the retreat center on my walk back. 
I'm thinking about how I have just confessed to every sin I've ever had in my life that can come to mind. And I am coming unglued. I'm falling apart everywhere. I have feared that I have lost my soul and that there's no hope for me. That's where I was at wow. that time. So you said it was not a pleasant experience in the moment, but as you reflect back 15 years, when, when I how re- do you reanalyze that? That moment was the pivot point. Everything changed for me and everything about my spiritual journey and my embracing my spiritual transformation emerged from that moment. I came back from that experience thinking that I did not connect with God, so therefore I thought I've lost touch with my soul. It was at that point that I recognized I am not in touch with my own spiritual journey. If I feel like I have lost touch with my soul, then I am not in touch with my own spiritual transformation journey. I think it's funny how ridiculous that was. I'm somewhat embarrassed. Well, must not be too embarrassed because you just released right. this to the uh, yeah. blogosphere. Yeah, but I'm embarrassed about it because having spent a lifetime in church and a lifetime in prayer and surrounded by people of prayer, you would think that I wouldn't be so fragile in that moment. When this event took place in my life, I was serving a church as a Christian life pastor, and I had served four previous churches as a pastor, associate pastor, or youth pastor. Now, clearly, the soul of my leadership wasn't connected to God. Due to the traumas of my life, my soul had gone into hiding to protect it and me, as I've described in a previous episode, episode six, and I was living in my false self. Because I was raised in environments which encourage shame-based sin management, not confession, I couldn't experience the power and freedom confession provides. And obviously, at the time, I didn't trust God in my vulnerable position. I was believing him to be angry, punishing, condemning, unforgiving, which he is not, as we've discussed in episode two. Looking back and analyzing, I realized I was connected to God. While I was doing all that struggling and all that challenging, God was right there feeling everything with me. Hurting as I was hurting, he was empathizing with me. He was there to offer me help and comfort and encouragement. I just didn't feel him, didn't sense him in it. I can see where he was active now, and I can see where he was caring for me. He was part of that whole experience. I just wasn't wasn't there to listen because I wouldn't be silent enough. Do you attribute some of that to just more maturity? Yes, maturity. That, that's hard for us to wait to mature, just speaking from personal experience. Right. But there is no doubt this event was the pivot point in my spiritual journey. As we are thinking about the Lenten season and I think about confession, there is much which relies and hinges on whether or not we can really confess and demonstrate a turn from sin in our life. There is an account of a young man who made a confession that was a pivot point in his life, and his story is recorded in the New Testament book of Luke chapter 15. It's the story of the prodigal son. In Luke 15, 17, there is a great phrase that says, when he came to himself. This is why confession is so important for all of us. When we come to ourselves, that space that will allow us to see how our negative behaviors and sin patterns have been destructive, how we've hurt others, and what's going on in the, de- in the deeper dynamics that produce the bad behaviors. Now, in Psalm 32, we have a good example of a very heartfelt, sincere confession. And what's interesting about Psalm 32 is at the beginning of Psalm 32, the psalmist talks about and addresses this temptation to be silent about our sin, saying, 
I was silent about my sin, and he talks about what that was like before he gets to the, the confession and the joy and the freedom he experiences in this confession. And he also proclaims a great statement that is a pivot point, I believe. Then I acknowledged my sin to you. So here's what's important, and here's what we need to apply as we contemplate confession in this time of Lent. Sin holds us down from being our true selves and doing good in the world. In confession, God sees our sin and offers us complete and total forgiveness. What we need to do to confess is we begin with God. Confess what you need to confess with God. Then confess to another. And it's important to name the action and to identify the behavior which caused it, the reasons and the things that led to you presenting that behavior to begin with. Why is this important? We confess our sins so that we may be healed. Any attempt at confession strengthens the body. Not just strengthens our body, strengthens our spiritual body, strengthens the body of the community of people that we live with and do life with. Now, on the practical side of that, let's just address some things, uh, especially why this is so hard and why it's one of the deepest, most difficult things to do in the Lent season. Shame can take hold of us and keep us captive. If we are aware of shame, accompanying those things that we need to confess, then that can create quite a barrier for us. There's also the fear of facing the truth, fear of admitting that confession, of getting it out into the open, the fear that surrounds all of that, the vulnerability that's with it, the facing others who will hear us tell the truth. We may fear the consequences of what will need to be practiced as a result of our confession. Some people really struggle with being this vulnerable in this type of situation and being this honest and this raw and being this exposed creates a psychological barrier. And it's very difficult for people to have the capability to hold themselves together. And so that is something that is part of the temptation to keep the sin hidden and not make a confession. Uh, We just need other people to help us with that possibly. Here's what we need to do. With openness and honesty before God, we need to ask God to search us and to know us and to bring to the surface those things in our lives which need to be confessed. So if you're going to do this, you're going to be brave because this is a prayer God answers. We will not be alone. A lot of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people utilize the season of Lent as a time for confession as they work on their spiritual journey and relationship with God. I don't have a lot in the finance part of this show today. You know, we talked last week, and actually the day we recorded, later that evening, we got the announcement of the Silicon Valley Bank that was going to be in big trouble. To update you on what's going on there, the short answer is nothing really. Feds have stepped in, they've taken over control of the bank. They have made a pretty clear statement that they are going to make all those deposits good depositors. Don't have to worry about that money just poof being gone. There's a couple other banks that were also in trouble. First Republic is one that was pretty highly rocked with their stock price, but they've now bounced back. We saw Credit Suisse overseas have potential issues in the European Central Bank. Basically said, We don't think it's a problem. We don't think it's systemic. And they went ahead and raised interest rates 50 basis points today. Our own federal government, specifically the Federal Reserve, will have a meeting next week, and they'll make a decision on interest rates. The betting odds as of today with the 
question of the banking system, have now got an 88% probability that the Fed will raise the rates a quarter point instead of the 50 basis points that everyone was betting on just a week ago. Right. It's a pretty significant drop. in one That week. is. So we'll see. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. That'll be next week when the Chairman Powell makes his announcement. But other than that, not a lot going on. We, we find in our country this time of year, not much happens except for March Madness. Oh, yeah. Productivity goes to hell uh, during this tournament. Yeah. <laughs> you know about the uh, vasectomy rates, right? The biggest percentage of vasectomies are performed during March Madness on the Friday. If you're going to have one, when do you want to do it? Most guys scheduled on the Friday of a tournament weekend. Oh, so they can have some time off? Yeah, so they're off for the next three days, and all they do is sit around and put ice on their Hello. spot and watch basketball their spot can you clarify that somewhere down there in the nether regions somewhere down I- there ice packs it's vasectomy time boys wow there was a billboard that was all over the metroplex when we lived in dallas fort worth i remember it was blue and in bright yellow letters it said vasectomy reversal so vasectomy reversals and tattoo removal two industries that i'm fascinated by i have no tattoos I plan on going to my deathbed with no tattoos. And I've always been curious about younger people that get them. I'm sure this exists in the computer world. You ought to be able to fast forward that. If you're a 20-year-old, you're getting a tattoo. You need to be able to age that out to when you're like 80 and go, hey, what was I thinking? Your concern that, that would, being how, been, what it, how it will look on yeah. wrinkled skin? And larger skin. Not a whole lot of us weigh less when we're 80 than when we're 20. I've just seen a lot of older people with tattoos that I thought, I bet that seemed like a good idea when you were 25. Ah! I've read more than one article over the last 10 years that tattoo removal business is now huge. Really? Oh, it's a gigantic Tattoos are more universally acceptable and part of culture in a way that they never were prior to the last, what what do you want to say, 20 years? Yeah, let's go 20. That's fair enough. This century. Uh, You have a lot more people getting them. Prior to this century. A lot more people getting more of them. To me, it's a... I think you like the phrase, let's follow it to its natural conclusion. To me, that would be the natural conclusion. Yeah, that's... More tattoos in public than we've ever seen. They are now not just a statement like when the servicemen used to love mom or whatever on their bicep. They're artistic displays, and they you build around them, right? You get this tattoo, right. then when you get your next chunk of money you're not doing anything with, you add to it, and it just becomes a whole piece of artwork. So if you're going to do that kind of mentality where you're going to have multiple tattoos all over your body, sure, the odds are one of those, one of these days you're going to go, yeah, that doesn't fit anymore. Yeah, maybe not. I'm going to get rid of that one because I got something else I'm going to put in this place. Well, now that, that is business. possible. Remove it to put something else, maybe. Sure. Or or yeah. modify the existing one because, you know, maybe love mom doesn't work anymore. Right. At some point, I think we could have as a focus for our F-bomb segment as faux pas. And maybe if we won't, if we haven't committed too many, maybe we could throw them in for this episode. Okay. The F could be faux pas. I'm good with that. I probably would be remiss if I didn't mention a faux pas of yours at uh, your daughter's wedding reception where you said, let me see if I can get this right. I'm sure you will. One of the happiest moments of my life was when I saw you crown. No, uh, no, that's not, not how exactly. you said it. That's not how you said it. No, I mentioned watching her birth as one of the most miraculous things I'd ever seen. Later in the speech, we were making a reference as to how fast kids grow up and how fast they become adults. You could tell I was going to get some pushback coming from either her or the crowd. 
And I said, come on, Olivia. It seemed like yesterday you were crowning. <gasps> so, uh, I fathers know the- out there, if you're listening and you're having to prepare a speech for your daughter's wedding, tread carefully when it comes to yeah. crowning. I don't even know if you would consider that a faux pas. I did, I did not. I didn't see yeah. what was wrong with it. And you still don't see no. anything wrong with it. No. And listen, listener it's may be listening term. and say, yeah. I, I didn't understand so, uh, my wife or my daughter's reaction, but... Olivia didn't it like was, it either? Not really. Well, probably because she was the one who was doing the yeah. crowning. Have the you ever been to a crowning ceremony? A crowning ceremony. Yeah. We talking about royalty or Yeah, yeah royalty. Okay. Then no, no, I haven't. No, you haven't? That's well, the, that's it's probably cr- because you live in America. My guess would be, yeah. Yeah, you probably don't get much chance to you because you know you invited. live in America. Yeah, no, I, I mean, if I ever get an invite, I'll consider it. Yeah. Do, do you think you've committed faux pas? If we were oh, to I'm say, sure I have. I just if don't we were think to say, saying so you, that my none stand out wedding. in your, yeah. So is there any that stand out in your mind? Like, uh, I really wish I hadn't have said this. This was a faux pas that was not appropriate and I shouldn't, I really regretted it. Yeah. I'll have to give that some more thought. Nothing jumps out at me. Well, I've mentioned that I take verbal risks. So I've said more than one faux pas. I can think of one specifically that I really wish I could go back and not. My brother worked at his rehab so that he could get out to attend a funeral because it was his first trip out and he wasn't quite there yet where he could could be at home. A nurse uh, that was part of the rehab hospital traveled with him after the funeral. And a lot of people, a lot of my brother's friends came over. I can't believe I'm sharing this. So he was in transition from, they were changing clothes basically from what he wore to the funeral to just hanging out with friends. And so in that transition time, I'm in there helping out, doing what I can because he was quadriplegic. He had a urinary drainage bag, obviously, because he could not control that. They needed to drain that. I mean, it was part of the process of changing clothes. So they needed a urinal. We had one. I didn't know where it was. Went to the bathroom, wasn't in the bathroom. Now, I knew it was called a urinal, but she's kidding with me, the nurse is, and saying, go ask your mom. I don't know if I need to censor this. She said, go ask your mom where the piss bucket is. And I said, the piss bucket, really? She said, yeah, ask where the piss bucket is. So I mentioned piss bucket a few times. And so I go out to this room where all of Bentley's friends are. And my mom is in the room too. And I said, mom, where's Bentley's piss bucket in front of all these friends? I've said other things, but in my lifetime, when I reflect, I think that's one thing I wish I had not said out loud so loudly that I am embarrassed about to this day, actually. So what do you think? You think uh, this was a good episode for the listener? <laughs> well, it was till that. Yeah. <laughs> you think that this ruined was, it all. You think this was a good episode for the listener to hear? Or sure, why think? not? I mean, you literally, always, I think can, we have to say they all are, right? You can always carve it down to like 12 minutes. Yeah, and then we just call it the short episode. Right. Yeah, or maybe call it the short hairs. If we talk about hair in some way. No, we're not calling oh, it that. Yeah, and now I just put it over this music, so that's in there. Because we've already talked about crowning and vasectomies. We don't want this to this. Oh, yes, short we don't want to go with the short hair episode. That would be a faux pas. <laughs> well, I'm sure the listener knows by now that this one was not 12 minutes, and they know by now that this one did not have a strange, obscure title like that, that would be questionable but listener hey listen if you can please uh do connect with us in some way facebook uh i think we're both on there Uh, kevinbartolacci.com is his website mine is hartleywright.com uh we'd love to hear from you if you would love to share with us and please invite others to listen and we will catch you next time thank you for joining us
This podcast is for the purposes of education, information, and entertainment only, and is not a replacement for the professional services of a financial advisor, financial planner, spiritual clergy, spiritual counselor, or spiritual director. We suggest you seek out a trained professional for help with your financial and spiritual needs. The views and opinions expressed by the host and guest of Faith, Finances, and F-Bombs are solely their current opinions based upon information they consider reliable, but do not represent those of people, institutions, or organizations the host and guest may or may not be associated with in professional or personal capacity unless explicitly stated. Any views or opinions provided by the podcast host and guest are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.